This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to The Waiting Room on Podcast225.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Waiting Room. This is Katie Fetzer, your host, along with your co-host, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue. And we're really, really excited about today's episode. Um, it is on sleep and mental health, and we have a very, very awesome guest um, that we are going to... Um, introduce you to very shortly. Before we get started, just wanted to remind everyone a brief disclaimer about the waiting room. The contents of our show, we do not want to be mistaken for psychotherapy or counseling. Um, It's certainly not intended to replace or serve as a substitute for any mental health service. So if you are interested in scheduling an appointment with a mental health professional, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at 225-448-3359. Or you can also call your um, local hospitals or physicians and then also look at your insurance panels as well um the, for those of you that are just tuning into the waiting room the waiting room is um your opportunity to gain insight on how we as mental health professionals can apply psychology to pretty much everything from pop culture to current events and relationships and social issues um, every episode is comprised of myself and dr Roderick, and we often have expert panelists such as our guest today Um, And we hope that you can join our conversation by submitting questions and maybe even give us a review or rating on iTunes and also at podcast225.com and search The Waiting Room. Today's episode, like I said, is going to be on sleep and mental health. And our guest, I'm going to briefly introduce you to, her name is Katie Dallimore, and she is a pediatric, certified pediatric sleep consultant. She also owns a business called Counting Sleep, which I think that name is awesome. It's <laughs> a good name. Um, and I'm sorry, but the biggest testament to what she does, she is a mom of triplets plus one. Um, so if, she, if anyone is an expert on sleep, it must be her, right? Um, so we're going to get to um, having a conversation with her when we get back from a very short break, and we will be back shortly. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Welcome back Back to The Waiting Room. Welcome back to The Waiting Room. Um, This is, again, Katie Fetzer and Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and we have a very special guest today. Her name is Katie Dallimore. Hello, Katie. Hi. Thanks for Uh, having me. Of course. Yes, we're very excited about today. Um, Today's episode um, is on sleep and mental health and how the two are related. I think that a lot of times people probably don't necessarily think too much about how important sleep is, and today we're specifically talking about pediatric um, sleep and how that kind of interfaces with mental health and all of the different factors that go around that. Um, so starting off with just kind of a, a Q&A, Katie, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit and a little bit about, maybe share us a little bit about your background and how you came to where you are? So, um, well, hi, I'm, I'm Katie Dallimore. And like she said, I'm a certified pediatric sleep consultant. That is actually not how I planned on starting <laughs> out. Um, I owned a clothing store for eight years. And um, after I had my triplets, um, I, sl- I sleep trained them. It, it was not an issue. I didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, I had to be very structured. And so it wasn't until my son was three and a half years old that things started going crazy. He started waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, and we had a very structured schedule, so I couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, 
Um, we had a lot of misdiagnosis. Um, they said that he was ADHD at three and a half. Mm. Um, he was OCD. He was um, ODD. And all those things, there were qualities that were coming out because he was sleep deprived. But the bottom line was he was sleep deprived. And wow. so I found that I had to, um, once I got him sleeping, my, my normal sweet rule following child came back. And, and, I, and I thought there's wow. got to be a better way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so I did some research. I found a certification program. It's definitely I wasn't planning on working again. And it's just something that was it just came to me. And I felt almost like it's a calling. I, I knew what I felt like with mm-hmm. a, a, with a month of no sleep. And, mm-hmm. and some of the parents I work with have had five years of no sleep. Wow. And wow. <laughs> I mean, you as a new mom, you know what it feels like. Absolutely. To yeah. Have no sleep for, you know, the first four right. months. It's miserable. You, you can't function. And so. also like as a mental health professional, what you're saying is so speaks out to me so much because we often have so many people ask, well, what is the cause of like, why does my child have ADHD or why does my child have depression? And there's never, even as mental health professionals, there's never this quick, easy answer we can give people. It's a mix of a multitude of factors that can quote, you know, cause something, but sleep is something that so many people overlook. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and honestly, you know, there are some, I mean, there are children that have ADHD and there are some children that have depression, but I feel like sleep de- deprivation magnifies it. And sometimes, um, you know, you may be able to put a stop to it by getting them sleep. The ones that don't really have it, but they're showing those symptoms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think the first step is to make sure they're sleeping and then deal with those problems absolutely. later. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the types of clients and issues that you do work with. So I am certified to work with children that are four months to five years of age with a variety of sleep issues. Um, the most common I work with are frequent night wakings or parents that are trying to get their children out of their, their bed and move them into wow. their own bed, which is, it's very common and, and, and it's either, you know, young babies or four or five year olds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not specific to one age, um, but I also work with a number of issues such as the bedtime battles and curtain calls and need one more kiss. I need a sip of water. I have to go potty, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, also, early morning wake-ups, nap struggles and nap transitions, eliminating night feedings, trans, um, transferring kids to their beds, and um, nightmares and night terrors also are something that I, I work with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's as you speak out about these, and you know, Dr. Audrey can kind of speak from her experience as well, but our clientele that we work with as mental health professionals, they'll come to us dealing with a lot of anxiety issues or, uh, you know, so their primary complaint might be anxiety. And once we start working with the family, we hear, okay, kids still sleeping in between mom and dad in the bed. Um, they're maybe having those, you know, monsters under the bed fears Mm -hmm. at night that's waking them up or they might have bedwetting. Mm -hmm. And so sleep becomes such a very big component of what we, when we're working, you know, with children and adolescents, of course, and families. And it's so nice to know that there are sleep experts out there and (laughs) sleep consultants that actually can weigh in on this because as mental health professionals, we don't really get training in sleep. No, not at all. Uh, I don't even think we have one hour of training in sleep. I always ask about sleeping patterns when I have that intake with parents before I start working with a child, but just it's more of information gathering because I'm not really sure what's the do's and don'ts and what are the right sleeping patterns or sleeping routines. Mm -hmm. Right. You may know that they're short on sleep, but Mm -hmm. what are the steps we need to take Mm -hmm. to get them Mm -hmm. rested? Yeah. Yeah. So, and and, and this is kind of something I'm asking um, you, Katie, but whenever you are working with families that they come to you with these, these sleep issues that are going on. Do you often notice that there's some mental health issues that are, that are there as well? Uh, and you're speaking on the children, the children, Absolutely, and the parents yeah. are both, both. It yeah. could be both. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, 
there's all the sleep issues, they tend to, they lead to one thing. So it's not like, you know, you have this issue and it leads to this mental health, this mental health, right. health issue. It all, all sleep problems, whether you're waking up in the middle of the night or, um, you're having trouble with naps. It all leads to sleep deprivation. That that's the, the problem that we have to deal with. And mm-hmm. also children's sleep, it needs to be consolidated. And mm-hmm. if it's not, it's not going to be restorative. So, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, that's key. That, yeah. that, right. That's something that I think a lot of people don't know. I mean, yeah. if it's not consolidated sleep, it's not restorative. That's yeah. So like a child can be in their bed from seven to seven, but if they wake up at, you know, every hour and a half, it's, it's fragmented sleep and they're right. not going to get that deep restorative sleep that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Adequate sleep is crucial for growth and development as well as mental uh, mental well-being. So, And I heard once that you never can catch up on sleep. Like that's just this kind of like a a myth out there that you can only just prepare for better sleep the next night. But you won't if you only had four hours the night before, there's no way to kind of catch up and go backwards. Okay. What would you say about that? Well, okay. So you can't get that sleep back, but you can catch up on sleep and get back to normal. I mean, you're not going to, if you have a couple of nights where you get zero sleep, you're not doomed for the rest of your life. Like if you set up good, healthy (laughs) sleep habits, you can get back to where you need to be and, you know, feel well rested and and be able to focus Mm -hmm. and, and have appropriate energy levels. So, I mean, yes, I guess you can't actually get that night back, but mm-hmm. you can you can definitely repay mm-hmm. what's called a sleep debt. Um, okay, so I have a question. For is there like a um, is there something maybe like a, a right off the bat when you have a child, a sleeping routine to start with, or is it very much you have to learn your child and learn just different ways that they fall asleep, just different ways that they um, stay asleep, or how do they manage if they wake up in the middle of the night? Like, Or is there a foolproof way to start out to kind of give your yourself and your child the best bet to good sleep? So yeah, you can definitely start from day one. I mean, first of all, you can't spoil a baby within the six, the first six weeks. So you can kind of do like, if you need to rock them to sleep, rock them to sleep. It's not, you're not going to be doomed. Mm-hmm. But um, you can definitely practice from day one coming home from the hospital. If your baby looks sleepy, set them down on, on a flat surface awake. And then if it doesn't work, pick them up and do what you need to do. But just it, the more you practice that, and that's also nice. you can set up a good, healthy sleep environment, it needs to be cool, What would that? Yeah, quiet. I was going to say, what would that look like? What would healthy sleep habits and healthy sleep environment look like? So you need to be on a hard, flat surface, whether it's a crib or a bassinet. Um, the AAP recommends that it is in your room, which is fine, but it needs to be in a separate um a separate crib or a, a bassinet, not not in your bed. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be dark. Total darkness pr- promotes the best quality sleep. Um, it needs to be cool between sixty eight and seventy two degrees, and um, obviously, you know, safe safe sleep. No no blankets. No nothing in the crib other than the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and no motion. No no sleep in motion. That is not restorative. So a lot of parents put their babies in the car seat to get them to go to sleep or put them in the swing. And all that is, is a sleep association. It's a mm-hmm. sleep crutch. So down the road, they're going to get used to sleeping that way. And then when they wake up and realize, hey, I'm not moving, I'm going to cry because right. I need to be moving. Wow. <laughs> You know, see, that's so interesting. And this is one of the reasons why I was so happy to have you on because a lot of the, our podcast episodes, we want to, we're, we're very much here to educate and inform and we want to get information out there to people that's somewhat preventative. So right. with what you're saying about healthy sleep habits, and I can say this as a new mom, I know that later down the line, if I, if I help them, my child with sleep, healthy sleep habits now, then later down the line, it's preventative for so many other issues. Yes. What sort of things in your training, Katie, did you learn about, you know, what sort of things sleep deprivation can cause later down the road as they grow older, if it's not something that they got addressed when they were young? 
Well, a lot of it, I mean, the most common effects are, I mean, they can be something that they display now or down the road, but in children, you see a lot of behavior problems and mm-hmm. defiance. I mean, not to say that you, your child gets a good night's sleep, they're not going to you know, misbehave. Of course. Fine. I've got one right now that I'm dealing with. Right. But, um, you know, there, it affects their memory, their ability to learn, their emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. It affects their, um, their ability to focus and they're hyperactive, which we talked about. It's often mistaken for ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, they're commonly withdrawn in social settings, um, often very clingy to their parents. I mean, I have to work with separation. A lot. Exactly. Right, 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 right. I work with a lot of kids that, you know, their parents say, well, I just can't bring them to, to daycare or to mother's day out. They just, they just won't leave my side. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you, I mean, my kids have always slept well. They don't even tell me about when they get out the car. <laughs> I mean, they don't even wow. look, look back. <laughs> so it's amazing. Yeah. And it yeah. makes me feel, I mean, a little sad, but yeah. also very proud. I mean, I have independent children and, right. um, I think sleep is, is a good way to Huge. help, help them get there. Right. Yeah. Cause they, the, what you described, the issues of, you know, hyperactivity or behavioral problems later down the road, that is then when Dr. Roger and I come in the right. picture right. where people come to our office at that point. So it's so nice to have something that we can tell people as a preventative, like, and get information out there. Okay. Focus and talk to someone about sleep, Right, you know, right. seek a service such as, as a pediatric sleep consultant as you bring home a new baby if it's something that you're not sure how to do or if you notice it's you're having a hard time setting healthy sleep habits for your child that's a perfect time for you to be able to kind of step in and, and you're really setting a foundation for your kid right. for life right right and while I only work you know with kids to age five that doesn't mean that you can't fix sleep problems down the oh road. good I mean, point yeah, yeah so like all you just you just need to to have a structured schedule, a good ru- a good routine, and make sure that they're not watching any you know, have any screen time an hour before they go to bed. That's really important because mm-hmm. that's stimulating, um, and make sure their bedtime's early enough. I mean, usually after the age of five, those things are kind of easier t- to fix on your own. You don't mm-hmm. need um, as much intervention as I would provide, but. Just, but uh, you know, I just thought that was an important point to say that. Yeah. Just because yeah. it's the age of five, like you can fix it past then. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you kind of went over this, but tell me, tell us a little bit about the common mental health issues that come across your clients and parents. Well, I mean, usually um, they're uh, obviously very stressed out. Um, depression is common, whether it's postpartum or just. Mm-hmm. something else um a lot of times they're intolerant they're very short-tempered with their children they kind of sometimes they just don't even you know they've had such a bad night the next morning they just you know don't really even want to sure. be present yeah. right um they're often very emotional and, and a lot of times they have feelings of guilt they say oh, i did i know i did this to my child and mm. usually when when they say things like that i just try and say look you're sleep deprived you do did what you had to do to get like don't feel bad we can right. you came to me because you wanted to make a change there's no need for this feeling of guilt because mm-hmm. you're doing what's you're in making your the child. steps. Right. Yeah. Right. You're doing it. So like, let's put the past in the past and you know, let's commit to doing this and you're going to feel great at mm-hmm. the end of it. It's going to be hard work, but you're going to feel great. Yeah. yeah. So when, when might someone need to seek services from a sleep consultant? So, I mean, usually parents call me when they're absolutely at the end of their rope, they're desperate. And, and that's good because I know that those parents are willing to commit to the plan because like I said, it is not easy and it's going to take me two weeks of, you know, some going back and forth and fixing things. But, um, you know, and then some parents, the kids maybe go to bed late or, or whatever, but if they don't have a problem with it, if it's not fixed, if it's not broken, you don't have to fix it. But, if your child is exhibiting symptoms, like I mentioned, um, 
before it, it's a good time to make a change. Mm-hmm. I find that so many parents are soliciting advice from Facebooks or mom, Facebook or mom oh, blogs. Oh, good point. And, um, you know, I cringe when I see those things because somebody posts a question and there's about 150 comments mm-hmm. and everybody's got a different opinion. And it's so it's, it frustrates me because then that just makes you more confused and more stressed out. And then you feel like, well, I tried this, but my child didn't do what their child did. And every child is different. Every situation right. is different. And, mm-hmm. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach to sleep training. That is so important that you mentioned that because I I couldn't agree more, and that's kind of the whole reason why we have guests like you on our Mm -hmm. podcast because we want this to be a platform that kind of intercepts those um, dialogues on Facebook. You know, we want this to kind of serve as something that can educate and inform people as opposed to just the, you know, the balls that being thrown around back and forth on Facebook that, are not grounded in any no. sort right. of educational. Well, I think that just promotes the trial and error from people that aren't experts. They just had this experience with their own child. Right. And I think where you come in as such a valuable service is you're looking at the whole picture and you're clinically trained to know how mm-hmm. to assess what's going on. And then instead of doing trial and error, you're going to know the better tools and techniques to imp- to implement with your child that I don't know. It's just, I, I totally. Well, and then, you know, somebody might suggest, and, and when you work with me, I offer a variety of different sleep training methods. There's just, there's not one, one way to do it. It depends on your personality and your child's personality. But, you know, somebody will say, just cry it out, let them cry it out. But if you don't have the right sleep schedule, the right sleep environment, um, the children are not taking naps at the right time, it's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And then there's also people that say, well, I did cry it out, but my kid only cried for 30 minutes. Well, your child could cry for two hours and then you go in there after those two hours and what that's taught your child is now I have to cry for two hours. Oh. So that's oh, not gosh. really cried out. So like people don't have right. all the yeah. facts when they're, right. they're absolutely these things. And yeah. it, they're also not trained in what you're trained in, which is the behavioral interventions, right. which really is grounded in psychology. So the overlap with mental health and, mm-hmm. and what you do, um, they're so linked together because it's all based in behavioral interventions. And I, it's almost like just kind of like these myths that are out there that people think and believe and mm-hmm. and there's so many myths <laughs> yeah are, tell us yeah. about some of the myths well I mean for one you know the later I put my kids to bed the later he's gonna sleep that's a myth the earlier put your your the earlier you put your kids to bed the earlier I mean the later he will sleep and and hmm. it's just it doesn't make sense it, it, it's it's not it's not logical but it's biological and um mm-hmm. let's see what I'm trying to think of some other ones um well one of the ones that um that actually you taught me um because my mom had, had, had thought and had always said, well, if they don't nap during the day, right, 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 right. Tell us about um, that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the more sleep a child gets, the more sleep he craves. So, um, and yeah, it doesn't make sense. You would think if a child takes a three hour nap and you put him to bed at seven o'clock, there's no way he's going to sleep till seven o'clock the next morning, but he will. That's, this is your child is growing when they're sleeping. So we need to make sure that he gets as much sleep as he possibly can, as mm-hmm. much as his body needs for proper growth and development. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, mental health kind of comes in and plays a role because if your, your child is not getting that proper sleep and growth and development and their brain is not um, set to be able to grow and develop like it should, then that's when you have higher risk for mental health issues later down the road, such as, you know, cognitive issues or attention deficit yes, issues. Yes. And um, so all these things are very, very useful to know. And, and I, I like to say too, even though this is information that we're putting out there, that doesn't mean that this, that's why we say in the beginning, this information that we're providing should not substitute right. a service because 
it's you can't necessarily just take bits of information and expect it to work just with your child when every child is so different, every family is so different, every household is so different. Um, and I've learned from from Katie actually helping me, which I can say, you know, from personal experience, there's so many factors that I didn't think would come into play, like the lightness of the room. You know, right, you think right. of, when you a said that the dark, I can't think of how many times people put night lights or those glow. Yeah, so tell things. us about that, yeah. Katie. Yeah. So the night lights. I mean, if you can start your child from day one and sleeping in total darkness, it's what's best. Um, there what's are the some- reason for that. It, because it interferes with mel- melatonin production. Now, huh. there are some kids that have slept with nightlights, and if your child has one, and it's on the blue scale, like any cooler colors stimulate day or simulate daylight. So huh. those are going to suppress melatonin production. If you must have a nightlight, get the lowest wattage possible, and it needs to be on the red orange spectrum. Really? But try and yeah, but try and do it without because that's what's best for them. <laughs> and we want them to pr- produce this melatonin naturally. We mm-hmm. don't want to have to supplement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that's amazing. Um, I mean, it's so helpful. I mean, I'm serious. I work, um, I think people know this by now, but I work on a adolescent psychiatric unit. And when I'm there, we see, you know, they're just a diverse spectrum of issues that people come there for. But one of the things we have seen sleep disorders come because it presents as a mental health disorder. There's something called a conversion disorder. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but not much, but there's night terrors and, and nightmares. And Katie can talk to us about this, but I, whenever those children or adolescents are ended up, um, on the psychiatric unit for those issues, they are given melatonin a lot of the times. And so, uh, you know, the actual pill that you give. And so I think that like what you're saying, if you can give your child natural ways of producing melatonin on their own in the beginning, what that would do later on. Right. Um, And, and And the research is out there too. And sunlight's a good way to regulate that. So if you have a child that didn't sleep well at night and they seem groggy in the morning, like you want to keep a consistent wake time. Well-rested children wake anywhere between 5.30 and 7. So mm-hmm. if you wake them by 7 each day, but they're kind of groggy, take them outside, expose them to sunlight immediately. That's going to suppress the melatonin. Oh. Also, um, before before bed or, or maybe before dinner, play outside. Let them exert all that energy, expose them to sunlight, and then after dinner, start turning all the lights off. And that's going to signal to the body, okay, it's time, time to, to wind down. Producing. It's time huh. to start producing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And poor little babies can't do that on their own. I know. They so cannot. they they look to their <laughs> they look to their caretakers to do all these things for them. Yeah. Um, and of course, I, I, you know, for listeners out there, I know this is a lot of information, so it can feel overwhelming. So yeah. that's why Katie, people like Katie, are out there for you to be able yeah. to call um, and talk to for support and for their her service. Um, now I know we wanted to touch on this briefly, but we could go on for a long time. But tell us a little bit about what you know about night terrors and what you would want people to know just on the surface. So they, they're often mistaken. One is often mistaken for the other. Often people say they had night terrors, but it kind of, so night terrors occur in the first half of the night when the child is in deep sleep state. So usually before midnight, a night terror is going to occur. Um, the good thing about night terrors, while they are terrifying for the parent, the child has no recollection of it. In fact, the child is asleep when it's happening. So it basically what it is is the child's asleep but they're having trouble moving from one sleep cycle to the next so they may sit up they may call out for you it's usually um, if you room they're non they don't recognize you they're non-responsive so if you if that's what you think's happening if it's at the first half of the night the best thing that you can do for a night terror is just to go you can sit with your child to make sure that they're not harming themselves but don't just let it run its course mm-hmm. it usually lasts five to 15 minutes and the child will go back to sleep just as quickly as this night terror came on wow. but wow. if you try and wake them up if you try to intervene if you if you do anything like that 
it can trigger another one and it could they could potentially last for hours so the best thing you can do is leave them alone you will be wow. a hot mess when yeah. you're in their room <laughs> but they won't know anything that when they wake up in the morning they'll have no clue and if you just let it pass it, it shouldn't fragment their sleep wow, wow. Um, nightmares are different they are um they're usually occur in the second half of the night when a child is in REM sleep and they're dreaming. So it's usually brought on by something that ha- they've seen during the day, something that they've experienced, maybe something they watched on TV. And, hmm. then, you know, even something that you may think is not scary at all can, you know, a child's imagination is unbelievable and they can turn and, I mean, one of Very my true. children lately has been saying the monsters are going to get me. And so, you know, you have to address those things during the day, but don't really bring it up I mean if they bring it up talk to them about it but never dismiss their feelings let them talk to you about it and then give them coping tools so for my son who has been talking about monsters I tell him you know monsters they're not real they exist only in your imagination so the good news is with monsters you can change how they look you don't that's cool you, you, uh, can, yeah. you know let's 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 draw a picture of a crazy monster so next time you think about monsters you can have a purple monster that's tap dancing in a in a cool, <laughs> cool skirt in your room and that's pretty silly right we're gonna laugh at that it's not scary see wow. what i love about what you're saying is that it is so in line with how mental right. health professionals would 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 recommend to treat nightmares because right. or monsters under the bed because what we would call that is exposure therapy so right. you're exposing the child to the monster and you're helping them face their monster Right. So that they're and changing, changing the way it is. Right. And it Pain decreases, uh, it yeah. decreases anxiety levels is what yeah. it does yeah. as they're exposed to it. They can then feel more empowered to be able to deal with it, but it also decreases their anxiety levels, which is what you want to happen. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> Well, this is so helpful. Yeah, very. <laughs> um, we could talk for hours. We, we um, could. Katie, we absolutely love having you on here. Um, and before we kind of wrap up, is there anything out there that you want to just put information-wise, especially with yeah. how people can find you? Yeah, like how I was people, about to say, how do people find you? Right. So my website is counting-sleep.com. I also have a Facebook page. It's um, facebook.com backslash LA. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also call me 225-802-6636 um, or and you can also fill out a contact form through my website kind of briefly telling me what's going on and I have Great. some blog posts on there some information information about myself and why I got into this um, like I said I mean I really didn't feel like I was ever gonna and I mean never in a million years I thought I would do something like this but yeah I I bet. Can, I've helped since I have begun, I've helped 30 families and wow. what they tell me at the end is just, it makes me keep going. I mean, it's a lot mm-hmm. of work, but to, to give people the gift of sleep is just, oh my gosh, it's so rewarding. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Well, we are going to go on a quick break and then we'll be back to recap shortly. And now today's Manners Minute. What's the best way to get to know folks in your neighborhood? By looking up. We've allowed our modern technology to disconnect us, haven't we? No more sitting on the front porch before supper. We're in the house on the internet or watching TV. No more walking through the neighborhood visiting with neighbors. We're looking down at our cell phones and have our earplugs plugged in listening to music. Think about what we're gaining. More information? Think about what we're losing. Opportunities to build relationships with folks we see every day. I encourage you to unplug and get to know your neighbors. Here's a fun thought. Why not make a pet directory for your neighborhood? Snap a photo of neighbors with their pets. Add their names and contact info. Put it online or print. Valuable tool if a treasured pet is lost. Great way to get to know folks that's helpful too. Choose respect. Snap those photos. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge with respect Baton Rouge thrives. 
Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back, back to The Waiting Room. Welcome back to The Waiting Room. I'm Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez, along with my co-host, Katie Fetzer. And we had the pleasure of speaking to Katie Dallimore, a pediatric sleep consultant who gave us oodles of information um, with great tips and, and resources if you have a child that's struggling with sleep and sleep routine. So you can hear uh, this episode on iTunes or podcast225.com. And uh, check out our next episode where we, we will be tackling... Uh, the college transition, how to help your kids once you get them to sleep, but then how to get them off to college and um, just how to kind of help them find their path. So thank you for listening and we will speak with you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Waiting Room. This has been a podcast 225.com production.